We've got four or five future first round picks. You know, just imagine who we could get and what they could be. And, you know, imagination is, is, is trumping reality right now. And the NBA is at the forefront of taking advantage of that. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Abbott, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolstra, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rick Buecher. He is the host of the Buecher and Friends podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Buecher. You can follow Buecher and Friends on Twitter at Buecher and Friends. He's obviously good friend, business partner. Rick, how are you? I am good. I'm good. We're uh, recording this, what, about 48 hours before the NBA trade deadline and got all sorts of things going on. So uh, we already had the NBA eclipse. The Super Bowl, or at least Super Bowl week, far more exciting to talk about the NBA than anything happened with the NFL. So it's a good time. Yeah, isn't it amazing how NBA Twitter has just, it's a year-round thing now. It used to just be certain times of year, but now it's its year-round, even in the off-season with free agency. Well, this is where the NBA is, everybody talks about, well, they have to do something about these superstars leaving their teams and going and playing where they want to play. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? This is what's made the NBA the most popular sport, at least when it comes to social media, because everybody can dream, whether it's realistic or not, they can dream about a superstar, if they don't have one, coming to their team, especially if you're in the major markets. So I I don't see any way in which the NBA is going to uh, try to call what we're we're seeing because it has done so much for their popularity. It's I, I call it a transaction league. People are more interested in transactions than actually watching the game because <laughs> that's that's the soap opera of the league, right? Yeah, is it's, it's why it's why you know Philadelphia and you know we 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 we, we can't win a game, but. We've got four or five future first-round picks. You know, just imagine who we could get and what they could be. And, you know, imagination is, is, is trumping reality right now, and the NBA is at the forefront of taking advantage of that. Yeah, I think the NBA sells hope better than any other league. That's exactly right. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, it's not like the NFL or Major League Baseball where you've got big rosters. If you get one or two guys on an NBA team who can make a difference – you're set. You can build around them. And uh, yeah. so I, yeah. I think that's why it's different. Well, you can sell the idea that if you get one or two guys, you're going to play for a championship. The reality is if you're going to play for a championship, it takes a lot more than that. Right. But but you can sell. I mean, it's, it, the 76ers being a perfect example. Like 
they lost for what four four years to collect as many first round picks as they could, top lottery picks as they could, and now they have a very good team uh, on the cusp of being a title contender. But are they going to win a championship? There's absolutely no guarantee of that. And when they made their run last year, they did it as much because they got guys like Ilyasova and Bellinelli uh, and the role guys. JJ Redick was willing to sign. Yes, it, it, if you're going to, if you're talking about a championship, yes, it starts with having a couple of uh, aliens, as my podcast partner uh, Ryan Hollins likes to say. You have to have guys that are just freaks of nature. You have to have at least one or two of those. But you also need to have eight other guys who fit around those freaks of nature to make it all work. And that's where it gets complicated. And that's why, you know, the, the whole Lakers at one point seemingly being willing to trade the future of the franchise in order to get Anthony Davis to pair him with LeBron James. I mean, we've, we've seen this act before and it has not worked. My first experience was Don Nelson trading away three future first round picks and Penny Hardaway for Chris Weber. And ultimately that blew up on them and handicapped the, the team for years ahead. Uh, I just did a podcast with Billy King who presided over both the 76ers and the Nets he made the big deal for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry and traded away three future first-round picks and a handful of players and the rights to swap another one, and that took the, the Nets to a dark place for years. I just haven't seen that model work in the past and certainly in today's game with uh, draft picks being as valuable as they are. I I. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster. So if the Lakers are balking at doing that, good on them. All right, we're going to talk about the Lakers in a minute, but let me read you something. $37.8 million, $40.8 million, $43.8 million, $46.8 million. You know what that is? That's the next four years of John Wall's contract. He yeah. injured himself, reportedly, tore his Achilles. He's out for at least 12 months. Yep. Is this the hardest contract in NBA history to move? I mean, you can't, this is an unmovable contract, right? Here's the problem with that, Brian, is that I have heard that said about so many players. Oh, well, you're never going to move that contract. And ultimately, somehow, some way, the contract gets moved. Maybe not in the next year or two, but uh, we've had. We've had amnesties. We've, there is no such thing as an unmovable contract. Although I will say this, at this stage, with the number of years left on it and the kind of injury that he has, because I just had a uh, physical uh, therapist who's familiar with Achilles tears, and he, he immediately he said, John Wall is never going to be the same. Right. And He's built uh, on speed. And so, yeah. And so... Is, is this is this a real uh, hindrance for the Washington Wizards? Without question. Um, but again, some of it also has to do with just where do we see the cap go in the next couple of years as far as the space is concerned? Is it an anchor around their neck? Absolutely. Is it untenable and guarantees that they're going to be 
in a world of hurt, I wouldn't go quite that far. And I don't think they can get insurance at least for next season, for the next 12 months. I don't think they can get insurance on it from what I've heard. And then this isn't a contract you can stretch because it hasn't even kicked in yet. It starts next year. This was a yeah. four-year extension for him. So they're yeah. really in a bad place with their their cap. You have a player who won't play a game for you next year, and he's eating this much of your, your salary cap up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a particular situation in which you could deal John Wall and, and get some sort of relief and nothing is coming to mind at the moment, but they're, you know, the, the bad contracts out there, they do happen. And sometimes you can trade one for the other and let's, let's see. I mean, here's, here's the other part. Okay. So he's, he's out for a full year. And if you're the wizards at this point, as I had one GM immediately tell me, for the next 29 games, they got to lose and lose as much as they can. Like, forget about forget about chasing that that playoff spot, which I think they still had in mind, even with John Wall on the shelf. Now it's all about turning around and trying to get one of those uh, top players in this upcoming draft because that's your only hope. You're you're going to have to be so strong that you can compensate for whatever John Wall is when he gets back, even if he's no longer an all-star and a, and a, and a speed demon, and then hope that John, like Grant Hill, like Jason Kidd, like a number of players who, like Elton Brand, guys who have had injuries that have fundamentally changed who they were as athletes, that he has the wherewithal the, the acuity and the commitment, the dedication to want to evolve his game and still be an effective player, even if he's not a speed demon. And a reminder to all you NBA fans out there, this next lottery is going to be the first time where the bottom three teams are all going to have an equal chance in the lottery. So it used to be right. if you had the worst record, you got the most number of ping pongs, you had the best chance at the number one pick. They've changed that now, so the worst three teams will have the same percentage to get the number one pick, and it could be someone outside of those top three teams, as we've seen in the past, that breaks in and, and gets that number one pick. So even if the Wizards lose all of their remaining games, there's no guarantee that they're going to get the number one pick. All right, like you said, 48 hours away from the trade deadline, let's talk about the Anthony Davis and LeBron and the Lakers and Rick, yeah. you and I have discussed this, but my angle on all this is a little different than everyone else's. I think it is a huge and an unfair advantage that LeBron James is part of an agency, Clutch Sports, run by Rich Paul, on a wink-wink agreement that LeBron, you know, he doesn't really have anything to do with it, but he's part of the agency, and he's outright tampering with Anthony Davis. They go to dinner after the Pelicans are in Los Angeles yep. to play the Lakers. He's doing interviews saying it would be amazing, quote unquote, for Anthony Davis to be his teammate. It is blatant tampering. How can the league stand by and let this happen? And will we see a player find? We've seen owners, GMs, others find for tampering. We've never seen a player find. Shouldn't LeBron be the first player fined for tampering? 
it's a slippery slope, and I know this from having had these conversations with the league office before, is that when you come down with a specific ruling, like a fine for a specific act, you are setting a precedent. And as a result of that, now you have to apply that precedent in every other situation. And this is a very gray area. We've become more conscious of players talking and players wanting to get together and maybe they've been more overt and blatant about it. Uh, maybe we're more aware of it because of social media, but it's not as if these conversations didn't go on in the past. It's just, we've become far more aware of them. And as you said, there is a business interest involved, a business interest involved here when LeBron has, uh, presumably a piece of the clutch agency. And that does to me feel like a violation of the salary cap. If he's basically making money off of other players or attracting other players, all of that said, um, I don't know. I, I feel as if there's two things going on. One, the league is, is reluctant to kind of put their foot down on something that is as, gray is this one like how do you define what is and isn't tampering uh you know draymond green reaching out to kevin durant w wouldn't that qualify uh so how, where do you draw the line and then the second part is and i really kind of enjoy this and i feel like there's that we've lost a lot of this in the nba which is the nba polices its own so meaning that that while the nba league office may not be taking action the rest of the teams in the league are. They're like, we're not, you know what? The Lakers got, the league's only going to fine them $500,000 for tampering with Paul George. Fine. No how, no way are we sending you Kawhi Leonard. No how, no way are we sending you Anthony Davis. Even if you're offering better than what we could get elsewhere, we're not sending it to you because you know what? We're not going to allow you to flaunt the rules and at the same time do deals with you we're going to find other trade partners. So in, in one way, I feel as if, yeah, the Lakers are doing all this, LeBron is doing all this, but ultimately where do they end up? If they don't end up with Anthony Davis, if they don't end up very good, then it's sort of taken care of itself, hasn't it? It has. I guess my two, you know, people always tell me on this show, if I'm going to complain about something, I better have a solution. So my solution would be, LeBron has to divest any interest in clutch sports, and we know that he's got an interest in it. If we saw the paperwork, I guarantee you he's got an interest in it. So he has to divest any interest, financial gain in clutch sports. The other is he's always welcoming people to clutch sports on social media, uh, talking about his clutch sports brethren. That has to go away. So yeah. there can't be any outright. You can text people. You can do stuff under the radar behind the scenes. As you said, that goes on with players all the time. There can't be any outward facing recruitment on social media or attaboys for the clutch sports brethren on social media. It's just too blatant at this point. So if I were the NBA, those are the two things I would say. Divest your interest financially in clutch sports and no more outward interest in, in clutch sports and recruiting. Does that make sense? See well, it does, but here's the problem. I, I mean, one wrinkle I could see, whereas, okay, so you do that to LeBron and you do that to the, um, uh, to the clutch agency. If I'm Rich Paul and I'm LeBron James, then 
I'm going to start looking at some of the conflicts of interest that NBA owners have as far as the media companies that they have an investment in. I mean, here's, here's the other thing. I mean, honestly, this is one of the things that bothers me about the way the league works these days and the media is that you have players partnering with media outlets and doing projects and it it violates that line between the companies media companies especially news companies and the people that they cover and doing business deals with them and so we see it all you know we see it everywhere and i am i understand that the rules have changed but if you're going to put your foot down in one place, then I feel as if there are at least a half a dozen other places where you'd have to put your foot down, which is, where I, which is why I am slow to say, okay, well, this is a violation. Is it? Yes, um, based on the rules. But, but there are plenty of other people that are violating these so-called rules that we're not talking about. And that's where... I'm a little more lenient with this than maybe the average bear. Well, in the last example, and this has been going on for a long time too, Michael Jordan owns the Charlotte NBA franchise. He has the Jordan brand. He has players who wear the Jordan brand shoes. He has an access to them that other owners don't have. It hasn't really benefited him with free agents or trades that we've seen so far over the years. It's not like he acquired Chris Paul or some of the other players that have worn the Jordan brand shoe before, but... It does give him an advantage in access to those players that uh, other owners don't have. So I think something needs to be done with it. I agree with you that there's a big gray area and figuring out how to police that is, is needed. But, you know, the thing with LeBron and we can move into this now is if you look at LeBron with Cleveland and how much money Dan Gilbert spent to keep LeBron happy and you know, they were always one of the the highest payrolls in the league. Even in Miami, yeah. they spent a lot of money to bring in some of LeBron's valet friends and, and people that he liked having on the team after paying LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade a, a ton of money. Now he goes to Los Angeles, and I'm sure as part of the conversation with Magic Johnson when he said, hey, I'll sign here, they looked at several different scenarios, and I'm sure Anthony Davis was one of the scenarios. But my point is, when you acquire LeBron James, he's in win-now mode. He wants you to spend money today. He doesn't care if you go into tax mode. And in this case, I'm sure he promised Magic Johnson, you know what? Rich Paul and Clutch will give you, you know, their full support here in trying to get a player like Anthony Davis on this team, but you're going to have to give up a lot to get that player. Uh, True, but I, I would say that the flip side to that is whatever LeBron James is making, from a team, whatever they're paying him as far as salary is concerned, he's making them three times that. So I'm not, I am, if, if LeBron asks a lot of a team, it's because he's bringing them more value than they could ever possibly spend. But the problem is and, when he leaves, he leaves a vacuum behind him. Oh, look at Cleveland, so, yes. even Miami, which well, has... Pat Riley running that organization. So let's say the Lakers make this trade and they gut their young core and they give up draft picks for the foreseeable future. Right. When LeBron leaves, 
yikes. I mean, <laughs> you just sold your soul for that brief window that he has of three and a half, four years where he can potentially win a championship. Well, so here's the gamble, which is if you win a championship as a GM, as a franchise, you have, you have earned yourself those dead years. You've, uh, as a GM, I just, uh, the, Billy King and I had this conversation about Danny Ainge. You know, Danny Ainge has the ability to make deals and to approach deals different than most other GMs because he's brought them championships. And so when you've done that, you have a leeway. You're not worried about, I got to make a deal or I, like the next, the team I build for next season better be on point or I may lose my job. Danny has a security that goes above and beyond that. So he can kind of pick and choose what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. That's the value of winning a championship. And I agree with you 100%. Uh, the, the sacrifices that you have to make in order to accommodate LeBron uh, are massive. And it does leave a vacuum and it generally leaves a hole. You're not in a good place when he leaves. It's a matter of what you accomplish while he is there. And, and so the Cavaliers, as hurting as they may be in many ways, or the Heat, uh, the fact of the matter is they're still living off of what LeBron accomplished there because he won them championships in both places. The risk with the Lakers is can you get this team good enough where LeBron and in the West that they're going to win a championship before he falls off? That's the huge gamble, and it was the gamble from the, from the very beginning in acquiring him. And it's why I said years ago, and I still get killed for it now and then on, on Twitter, because Twitter is like an elephant. They never forget. That's true. And, it's, and, <laughs> and, and, and not only do they not forget, well, they, they forget the context of what was said at the time or the nuance of it, and... It was, I was asked, you know, Derrick Rose or LeBron James. And I went with Derrick Rose in part because I was doing it from the perspective of I'm the GM. And if I'm the GM with LeBron, um, the pressure on me and the possibility that he would want to replace me or that I would lose my job if I don't cater to LeBron. Like, I'm not, if I'm the GM with LeBron James, I'm not running the show anymore. I don't. It's not, my, it's not my team anymore. Right. So you know what? I'll take Derrick Rose and build around him because I get to build the team. Um, with LeBron, I don't get to do that. And so you look at Derrick Rose and what's happened with his career and his injuries and everything, and it looks like a, a crazy notion that you would take Derrick over LeBron. But the reason is, is for the reason that you just stated with the Lakers and Magic, which is you got you to gotta dance to his tune. And then when the song is over, yeah, you're you're left with no chair. Uh, yeah, you're no chair, and <laughs> you know the the crumbs of of what was once a, a feast. You're listening to Sports Business Radio with our guest Rick Buecher. We'll be right back after this. You know, it's not smart giving Washington Wizards point guard John Wall a hundred and seventy million dollar guaranteed contract before he blows out his Achilles and misses a year of playing time. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR to hire the right person. 
Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience, and actively invites them to apply for your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. If you love this show, show your support to it and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with our guest, Rick Buecher. Uh, do you think a deal gets done between the Pelicans? I mean, you know, today they come out and they draw a line in the sand the Lakers do saying, yeah. you know, we're not negotiating anymore. And I'm sure that's the Lakers saying, look, we, we aren't going to negotiate against ourselves here. You need to make a counter at some point. And if you don't, then I guess we really are going to wait till the summer to see what happens here. But, you know, the, the downside of that is, I could see LeBron going into sulking LeBron. Very moody. He didn't get his buddy. He's got to play yeah. out the rest of the season with guys he doesn't feel are worthy of going to battle in the playoffs. And now you've got brooding, sulking, uh, manipulative LeBron for the rest of the year, yeah. which I don't think anyone in Lakerland wants. No, I, I, I would imagine, and I think that that's a real possibility. Uh, there's, you know, the other part is like, where does Luke Walton fit into all this? And is this a plus or a minus if they can't make a move? Uh, that, that remains to be seen. But I, look, I thought from the beginning of the year that LeBron was willing to just let this, this season play out. If, if he wasn't willing to, then he would have had some prerequisites in place before he signed the dotted line to join the Lakers. That's the way he's always worked. Well, before I sign, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to guarantee me this, you got to guarantee me that. He didn't do any of that this time around. He he just said, uh, you know, I'm coming to the Lakers, and it it and they filled out the rest of the roster after the fact. Now he probably he had influence on that, but they were picking from dregs, and they only signed guys to one year deals. So uh, I always felt like this was a a, a waiting uh, period. Now. As it's had unfolded, has LeBron gotten antsy and impatient and realized that? Which he always maybe, does. Yeah, well, you know, a holding period is is really not fun when you're talking about a full season. That very well may be the case. But the bigger thing for me, Brian, is, and I see no reason why. The, I don't know why the Pelicans would make a, a deal with the Lakers. I don't like unless it is unless it is three, four future first round picks. Uh, why? Because there's nothing about their roster, the players that they have offered, that says, well, there's a young Anthony Davis among them, or there's a young superstar among them. I don't see that guy. They're they're good players, and but I would I would want some picks. I would want to I would basically want to sabotage the make the Lakers forfeit their their future in order to get this deal done. Otherwise, otherwise, I wait until the draft when I know who has the first pick or the second pick or the third pick and what else that they're able to package with that and what their circumstances are. For example, 
the Knicks. Kevin Durant ends up going to the Knicks, and he says, as LeBron did when he went back to Cleveland, look, I know we got the number one pick or we got the number two pick, but I want to win now. And Zion or RJ or Morant are not going to be going to be ready. If you can get AD, let's, let's swap that. And I think the Knicks would be party to that. Well, if you're the Pelicans, I, I, you tell me, but I'm looking at what the Lakers are offering. If you're telling me I could get Zion or R.J. Barrett or Morant, one of those guys, to start my rebuilding, I'm doing that over anything that the Lakers could offer. Well, and, and by the way, you're getting those guys on a rookie-scale deal too, right? So that's a huge at factor. At the beginning of a rookie-scale deal. Right. And not because that's – even if you like – even if you like the combination of Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, the fact of the matter is those guys have been around a little bit. You're not that far away from having to make a decision on am I, you know, am I extending them and am I extending them for how much? Uh, that you're no longer getting them on the cheap. And so if I'm the Pelicans, I don't see any reason, aside from the fact you know, or, or above and beyond the fact that um, Del Demps is a disciple of the San Antonio Spurs. We saw how the San Antonio Spurs handled the uh, the Kawhi. interest in making a deal for Kawhi Leonard. I would expect that they would do the same. It makes far more sense for the Pelicans to wait until the draft to make a deal than it does to make one right now. Yeah, and the other thing that's interesting is the Saints people are advising the Pelicans people on this deal, too, because Tom Benson's gone. So there's a lot of different dynamics with this deal. It's not just Dell Demps making this deal with Magic Johnson. There's a lot of other people involved. Let's talk about the Knicks for a minute, because they traded Kristaps Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks, and I actually mm-hmm. like the trade for Dallas, and I like the taking the risk of pairing Luka and Porzingis uh, in the future for Dallas. But with the Knicks... I know they've sold hope better than anyone in the last decade. First, it was going to be, we're going to get LeBron and D Wade. You know, it turned into Amari and Carmelo, but I do feel like this is the summer where they have $71 million in salary cap room, uh, to go out and get some guys. And it seems like the worst kept secret in the NBA right now is that Kevin Durant is going to go to New York at the end of the year. And then, like you said, is he going to bring Kyrie? Is he going to bring AD? Is he going to bring Kemba? Or, you know, are they going to pair him with Zion or someone like that if they got the number one pick? But it does feel like Kevin Durant or someone elite is going to finally say, all right, New York, I accept. I'm, I'm coming to try and change the fortunes for the Knicks. Yeah, I feel as if the current regime of, of Scott Perry and David uh, uh, Fisdale are paying the price for the previous regimes going back to 2010. Agreed. The reality is in 2010, they never had a chance of getting LeBron James and Dwayne Wade or any of the top combinations. It would, that it was not going to happen that way. And I don't even, I don't know how much of that was the team floating that out there. Uh, because I want to say that Donnie Walsh was still running the show at that time. And that's not his style, but that it was the New York media who created this idea that LeBron and Dwayne Wade or some combination thereof were headed their direction. And it it was never a reality. So they created this expectation that 
you know, turned out we, uh, ultimately was hollow because of, of what they ultimately got. I mean, Isaiah, th- they weren't even going to get Amari Stoudemire. I mean, they had to pull Isaiah Thomas into the mix to, uh, to make a, a last-ditch effort to make that happen. And some of that, and this is what kind of concerns me, is like James Dolan so- signed off on that. James Dolan was at the heart of you know, selling the farm for Carmelo Anthony. He had like five GMs on his payroll. He didn't listen to any of them and made the deal himself for uh, Carmelo. So I only hope that Dolan doesn't step back in and as opposed to 2010, there are real relationships. Like, there's, there's some smart things being done here. Um, whether, and I don't know the, 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 the legitimacy of DeAndre Jordan and his relationship with KD. Supposedly, they're really good friends. I know that Scott Perry was with KD for a long time. In Seattle? In, uh, was going to Seattle and then to Oklahoma City. Right. Uh, spent a number of years there. Um, and so they have a relationship. I know that Scott has a, a relationship with Anthony Davis Sr. And so there's reason to believe this time around. Not that it, anything is a guarantee because it's January and this stuff's going to go down in June and July. But there is really, there's, there's, there are legitimate reasons to believe that the Knicks are capable of getting this done this time around. And worst case scenario, they've put themselves in position where they can sign two max guys and they could potentially have one of the top three picks in the draft, all of whom are being projected as franchise players. So as opposed to the past, I feel as if the Knicks are in a really good place. And my only concern is, let's say they come up completely empty this summer. Not to rush out there and spend the money because you have the cap space. And I believe this is where I know that Scott and Steve Mills and and David Fisdale have the uh, the discipline not to do that. I just hope that James Dolan doesn't get antsy and go, well, I, I got to sell season tickets, so go out and spend money on Jimmy Butler and Kemba Walker. You know? Right. That, or Tobias that Harris be, or someone like that. Exactly. That would, be, that would be a mistake. And I don't – it's not a mistake that their management would make. And I just hope that James Dolan doesn't force them into to doing something like that. Well, the one guy that I always talk about on the show to keep an eye on, and he's been a guest before, is Rich Kleiman, who lives in New York, is a long-time yeah. Knicks fan. I think his yeah. dream job would be to work in some capacity for the Knicks. And I've been saying for the last year that if KD does go to New York, I think it's a KD-Rich Kleiman package deal in some capacity. And that's what gets them both to New York and then – you know, we just discussed some of the, the possibilities. The one guy that I'm getting a little tired of right now is Kyrie. Cause Kyrie plays in Cleveland with LeBron and yep. then he wants his own team and then he goes to Boston. Then he's the leader of the team and he's like, you know, this leadership thing isn't as easy as I thought. So then he apologizes to LeBron and says, you know, it's harder to be a leader than I thought it was. Then you report that there's the possibility that maybe Kyrie doesn't go back to Boston and he's open to yep. some other scenarios. And yep. then just this week in the last few days, Kyrie, I guess a, a trusted teammate, says 
that, well, now Kyrie's upset that his free agency plans are tied to AD and KD and LeBron and, and people like that. Which way is it? Like, what do you want if you're Kyrie? He seems like he's all over the map. He wants to be the leader. He doesn't want to be the leader. What does he want? I think it goes back to his saying that the earth is flat. It's true. But in this, where it's like, don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to think. Don't tell me where I'm supposed to play. Don't tell me what it is that I'm supposed to appreciate. Now, there are, you know, we often talk about, like, a rebel without a cause. I feel as if that's Kyrie to a certain extent. He doesn't know what he wants. He just knows what he doesn't want. So as people present certain scenarios, it's like, no, I don't want that. And don't tell me I should want that. And and so he, he's, he's jousting uh, with windmills to a certain extent and, and as far as like just waging these battles that don't need to be waged. And, and quite honestly, I feel as if in some ways, Kevin Durant has done the same thing. Right. Like he's, he's, he's engaged in, in fights that really are beneath him in many ways. And I don't believe that Kyrie as a temperamental superstar, and I don't, I don't use the word or the phrase superstar lightly. I do believe he's that kind of a player. He's a unique talent is, is all that different from other and this goes for Kevin Durant too. Other temperamental superstars. It's just in this day and age, we are fully exposed to how temperamental they are. And I'll, and I'll give you an example from a different sport. Like Odell Beckham Jr. is, you know, considered the ultimate prima donna. Antonio Brown probably right there with him. I covered Jerry Rice back in the day when I was just starting my career. He was as much a prima donna as either one of those hmm. guys. But the exposure was not the same. Right. If, if in, in today's world, if we had social media back then, Jerry Rice would have trumped Odell Beckham Jr. and, uh, and, and Antonio Brown hmm. in, in terms of just high, high strung, high maintenance, uh, temperamental, you name it. And... Uh, but but that's now we look back at it. And, oh, he was the he was the ultimate professional because we knew how hard he worked and uh, and and ultimately what he became. But I can tell you, having a front row seat, it's, there are a lot of similarities, and I feel like that's some guys in the league today are subject to that. The the, the exposure has allowed us to see all their all their warts and the reality is they're not that different. It's just a matter of who's keeping it close to the vest and who isn't. Well, here's the problem for Kyrie. There's a lot of GMs that are calm, cool, and collected. Danny Ainge ain't one of them. He's as temperamental as Kyrie. So if you look at those two making a (laughs) long-term deal for Kyrie to stay in Boston, I don't know. They have the wrong conversation and – I mean, Danny Ainge is fiery, and you know it doesn't help that Anthony Davis's dad comes out and says, "I wouldn't want my son playing for him because yeah. of what he did to Isaiah Thomas." And yeah, I don't know if it, those relationships. You and I both know this; those relationships matter, and word gets around. And if 
someone feels like they were wronged by someone, in this case Danny Ainge, then other guys, well, maybe I don't want to go there. Or if Kyrie and Ainge get into – so you look at KD in uh, Golden State, you don't have to worry about him having a fiery exchange with – someone there because they are more calm, cool, and collected. And they can take KD's uh, moodiness with a, a grain of salt. Danny Ainge isn't built the same way. Yeah. I would say with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, you're correct. Joe Lacob, Joe Lacob is, he's a little bit of a loose cannon. They, they, that, that's one of the untold stories about the Golden State Warriors is how many times Bob Myers has saved Joe Lacob from himself. The deals that Joe Lacob has wanted them to do, and ultimately for one reason. I mean, keep in mind. Let's. I mean, we can go back. This is this is all documented. Like they signed they they signed DeAndre Jordan to an offer sheet. They did that because they couldn't get Tyson Chandler. Uh, they wanted Dwight Howard in the worst way. If they land any of those deals. I don't know that we're talking about the Warriors being what the Warriors have been for the last four or five years because of the money invested and because uh, the the what they ultimately became uh, as the great all-time small one of the great all-time small ball teams. I mean, they they ushered that in with um, Draymond Green. If they knew Draymond Green was what he was going to be, then would he have been you know a second round pick? So. Um, but you are right when it comes to Danny. I, I wish I could I could give the chapter and verse on this, but one of the the great stories when Danny was with the Celtics and uh, there was a deal to be made, I believe, but Red still around as the GM. And I don't know if it was a deal that was trading Larry when he was dinged up or... It was Kevin McHale, but it was one of the it was one of the principal players of the big three, and read some of them. were having a, a a team get together, and it was it was mentioned that you know that the Red had passed on that deal, and Danny is you know Danny spoke up, but he's like, and everybody like the players are there. Kevin McHale, Delario are there. He goes, Red, you're crazy. I would have done that deal. He was like, <laughs> He was ready to trade away. Like he'd trade his mom if he had to, right? Yes. I mean, it just it it was uh, it it was funny, but it gave you a glimpse into who Danny uh, was and who he has been ever since. But he he is certainly, uh, yeah. I mean, that is a that is a fiery combination. Here's the other part too: is that you know Danny's name is out there a lot. Uh, and some of it is real, a lot of it is smoke. Danny likes to have the Celtics and his name out there interested in all sorts of deals. Daryl Morey is, is, is cut from the same cloth, and they consider it good for business. It doesn't mean that they're serious about every single thing that they propose. Hmm. So a few minutes left with Golden State. I mean, look, if they're operating on all cylinders and everyone stays together and they go into that new arena in San Francisco with revenues like they've never seen before, this is a juggernaut that could keep going. And we can talk about the Knicks and the Lakers and the Celtics and everyone else, but I don't think anyone touches the Warriors for a few more years if they stay healthy. 
But that's the question. And, uh, you know, it sounds like KD is going to leave, but even if he left and they yep. re-signed Clay, they decide to re-sign Draymond when he comes up, they could maybe, if KD leaves, re-sign Boogie. I don't know. I think they could still be very good for several years to come, don't you think? I think they can be very good. I mean, the the health thing, I just don't see how you get around because we saw at the end of last year already the effects. Every single guy in the main core, even Iron Man Clay, got hurt and missed time. And I think that that is just a byproduct of making deep run after deep run. I can't explain to you why LeBron James hasn't suffered uh, some, something along the same fate. Um, you know, Jason Kidd told me, after he made back-to-back runs to the finals with the Nets, he had to have microfracture micro surgery on his on his knee, and he was never the same. John Stockton, same thing. I mean, just making a couple of runs to the finals has physically taken its toll on guys where they're never quite the same. Where Draymond Green is physically right now, Andre Iguodala, chances are, is is not back. Sean Livingston isn't quite the same. Yes, can they continue to be good and competitive? Absolutely. Will they continue to be dominant? Uh, not unless they, you know, they find another horseshoe up their butt and can Kevin Durant or a Kevin Durant type suddenly uh, appears or emerges or they're able to, to uh, acquire him, uh, that type of a player. I just, and, and even for this year, I, I'm still waiting to see what they wa- what they are defensively at the end of the year cuz certainly Boogie has given them something and and honestly if I'm perfectly frank they, he's given them more than I thought he could he could sooner than he has uh but how does he fit in when you get to the playoffs defensively can they be the same team that they've been in the past for you know, a, a, a 20 postseason games and not break down physically. That's what I need to see. And I'm, you know, when I look at not necessarily anybody in the West, but particularly in the East, when I look at a young team like Boston and the depth that they have and the hunger or the Toronto Raptors, the athleticism and the length and the hunger, I, I, I just can see the Warriors going through the Western Conference and getting through, but taking their hits as they do, and then coming up against a Eastern Conference foe in the finals who has had a relatively easy run, is deeper, is fresher, and ultimately that's the tipping point, and we see the next champion coming out of the East. You're listening to Sports Business Radio with our guest, Rick Buecher. We'll be right back after this. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get you started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. 
With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Sports Business Radio podcast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at sbradio.robinhood.com. That's sbradio.robinhood.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with our guest, Rick Buecher. The guy who was the talk of the NBA at the beginning of the season, what is he going to do? You don't hear about him as much anymore, Kawhi Leonard. What do you think Kawhi Leonard does at the end of the year? It's a good question. I do believe, as many people have suggested, that a lot of it has to do with just what happens with the Toronto Raptors. If they go to the fight, if they win the finals, I mean, if they win a championship in Toronto, uh, I, I, I believe that that, that could change matters and that he could end up staying there. There's also a dynamic there, though, that's interesting that I've been watching all year long, which is like Kawhi Leonard has taken full advantage of holding the Toronto Raptors hostage and he breaks a lot of plays <laughs> and, and from what I've been told, Kyle Lowry's not really all that thrilled with with the uh, accommodating Kawhi or the liberties that Kawhi is taking. And so that chemistry element is something else to watch along the way. I would expect that if it's it's either Toronto or he goes to the Clippers, he goes back to L.A., he becomes the main guy. I can't see any way in which he does anything other than he goes and he gets, especially somebody like Steve Ballmer who can give him the superstar treatment that, uh, that he didn't get in San Antonio. It's one of the reasons why the Clippers hired Lee Jenkins, the Sports Illustrated writer, because he's supposed to create, the, he's supposed to be looking into Kawhi's background and finding out what is it that Kawhi wants to hear that's going to convince him to become a Clipper? What is it that he wants? What's the narrative? What's the story that we tell? And so we'll see if, uh, if Lee comes up with that story. There is one there. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be the selling point and will it trump the one that the Toronto Raptors are going to able to tell if they end up winning a championship. So Kawhi, I agree with you. He either stays in Toronto. The Clippers, you know, he just bought a house in San Diego, I guess, $13 million house or something like that. And yep. Jerry West is with the Clippers, Lee Jenkins, obviously Steve Ballmer. I'm going to throw out a wild card, and it was mentioned before, but it hasn't been mentioned very much. I still hmm. think the Knicks are in play. I think he and KD are pretty tight. I think there's a part of Kawhi that's a little bit Kyrie. He wants to be the man, but he doesn't really want to be the man. And his doctor is also in New York, and his doctor has become very important to him. So he likes playing in Toronto because he's pretty close to his doctor. I, If he wants to play on the East Coast, if he doesn't stay in Toronto, I could see the Knicks potentially being in play for Kawhi. But I guess we'll see. The last question I have to you, most people think Zion Williams Williamson is the number one pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, mm -hmm. he, he's just jaw-dropping. Scottie Pippen said the other day he's the best prospect to come to the NBA since Michael Jordan. So better than LeBron James, which is quite a statement. Maybe Scotty's just stirring the pot there, but uh, that's quite a statement. Is there any player in the NBA on a roster right now that you would trade 
for Zion Williamson? That I would trade or would not trade. Well, so let's say that Team X has the number one pick, and you could get Zion Williamson with the number one pick, and you can get him on a rookie contract. And obviously other pieces would need to be involved here. But if someone said, you know, number one pick and Zion Williamson for Anthony Davis, or you know, you think of the the young elite players in the NBA right now, People I've talked to say this guy is, is the guy. Like you, he's one of those guys like LeBron. If you had that pick, you're not trading that pick. You're taking LeBron and you're not trading it for anything. Do you think right. Zion is that kind of a guy? I have not seen enough of him. I mean, this is, this is why one, I, and I haven't talked to my array of scouts and personnel people in the NBA at this stage to find out what they think about Zion Williamson because, and I, and I have not formed my own opinion and I try not to because I can't watch enough college basketball in order to not be swayed by a particular matchup and systems. The college college basketball, I, I rely on people who watch for years that watch these guys going back into high school guys whose opinion I trust and can really articulate all the things and reasons that they think a guy is going to be a certain something. And so I wait until I see them quite honestly, if I can until the summer league, when you take away their college systems and you put them up against comparable athletic ability, because that's the one thing that I see with Zion is that there's, there's just, like who physically can compete against him? He looks like Sean at the, Kemp. That's yeah, who I, at the collegiate level. I mean, he's and then you put like he and he and he happens to be on a team with R.J. Barrett and a and and one of the great uh, college coaches and systems. Like the, the advantages that he has right now, just on the face of it, are wholly unfair. And to me, how do you say that they don't skew? what he has, like take him, take him out of that and put him on Orlando. Now, what is he going to be? Is he, is he the kind of player who comes in and immediately makes them a playoff team? I I don't, I don't know if he has that kind of a game uh, at the NBA level. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about transcendent guy comes in, whether it's Derek Rose or it's LeBron James, I mean, LeBron James for all that he was, didn't take his team to playoffs his his first year. Uh, Michael Jordan, if I'm not mistaken, did as bad as their record might have been. And so that that's the question that I have. So in answering yours, you know, would I trade any player for Zion Williamson? I it depends on where my franchise is. If I'm starting from scratch, then it would really be hard for me. It, it, it depends. Like Anthony Davis, I'm not a big fan of Anthony Davis at this stage. I feel like I know what he is. I'd probably roll the dice with Zion if I'm starting from scratch rather than going with Anthony Davis. Um, you know, looking across the spectrum of stars in the league, um, if, if you told me that I could have Paul George, for example, um, I'm going to take Paul George hmm. at his age. At his age and what he's showing me right now, um, I, I don't know. Like, 
Paul George has led teams to the playoffs. Paul George, I think, is still evolving as a player. Paul George has come over, has, has overcome a uh, horrific injury and is still a superstar. There's, and I, and, and I don't want to just focus on him, um, but there is, there is a value in guys who have already proved that they can carry a team, like Kawhi Leonard. You tell me Kawhi Leonard or Zion Williamson. I'm taking Kawhi Leonard. I'm taking guys that even with no, the injury risk, even with the injury risk, because I know the uh, because I they're a known quantity. Uh, like for Zion Williamson, all the excitement over him, and yes, there's an advantage on him being on his rookie scale. Is he going to? I just, just there's too many guys that have been projected as the next Michael Jordan, as the next superstar. And and they haven't they haven't panned out. They haven't they haven't been that. So I'm I'll take bird in hand. Bird in the hand and the proven commodity. Rick Buecher, the host of Buecher and Friends. You can get it on iTunes. Subscribe today. Follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Buecher and follow Buecher and Friends on Twitter at Buecher Friends. It's one of my favorite new podcasts. You're doing it every day. How do you like doing the daily podcast? Well, you know what I love is that I have Will Blackman, Super Bowl champ, um, for Mondays and Tuesdays. I either go solo or I have one of my NBA guests uh, come on. We've had everyone from Nick Stauskas to Jared Dudley. Uh, Billy King is my guest this week. And then I have Ryan Holland uh, on Thursdays and Fridays, the former NBA center. And so it keeps us fresh that I'm that I'm doing it. And I also having a background or having done a stretch in radio, um, I'm kind of familiar with it. So I'm, I'm used to having an outlet on a daily basis. The only thing that I miss, the only difference is, and we're trying to figure out how we can incorporate this, is not having the, the, uh, the back and forth with your listening audience to be able to engage them directly. That's the part of radio that That's what social media is for. What's that? That's what social media is for. Yeah, but it's not in real time. So yeah, I like it uh, better. I like the social media because uh, uh, I you can control it, right? man. Yeah. And some of the callers, uh, yeah. I mean, you yeah, think about it. Else, like, sure. if you talk to your buddies, like I do, uh, yeah. most of my buddies, ninety nine percent of my buddies, have never called into a radio show. Very true. Also true. Yes. So you think about the person who's calling in. It's usually the same person. I don't miss that part at all. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, I hear that, but there is something about that live engagement. And then there's the plus of, like, you really feel, I mean, you can, you, you are aware. Because with the podcast, our, our numbers have been skyrocketing. There's people I know. And this is the other thing for me is just on a daily basis, it expedites the relationship that you build with your listening audience. And so I, I know that there are people out there that listen religiously and I love being able to kind of create that connection. As a writer, you know, I knew I had that. I knew there was people that read me uh, whenever I did something. But you don't, you don't really know them. You don't generally don't have that, that consistent feedback. And so that's what I love about the, the daily podcast is that you are, you are building a real relationship with your listeners. And uh, so that, that has been fun. Well, and I think a lot of the people that listen to you, like the people that listen to this podcast, they're busy people. They want the content on demand, whether they're yes. 
on an airplane, in their car, yep. working out, whenever they have time, they want to be able to access those conversations on their own time. And I think it's neat that, that we're able to offer that up via podcast. Now, Rick, thank you so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio, and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy, today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivid Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and university stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. I want to welcome ZipRecruiter to our family of sponsors. Again, really happy to have them on board. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ziprecruiter.com slash SBR. Happy to have them on board. And thanks again to our new partner, the Robinhood app. Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at sbradio.robinhood.com. That's sbradio.robinhood.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.